including 186 children. The architects of many such attacks are dead, some of them killed in operations memorialized by secret medals I've tossed into a cigar box, but others have risen to take their place. The makeshift command post has been established in the first-floor lobby of an office building three blocks away from the one that was bombed. I cross a wide street, emptied of traffic, slam open the steel and glass door. A small group huddled around a folding metal table all turned to stare at me. Who's in command? My voice sounds loud even to my own ears. Who wants to know? Tall, thin, and spectacled, he looks like a haughty professor, although too young to be one. I know his kind at a glance. A staffer, privileged from birth by his family's social position in the old Soviet order. His uniform and red beret identify him as a special forces officer of the internal troops of the FSB, the principal successor of the KGB, but his kind can be found throughout Russia's military, political, and bureaucratic elites. I throw off my overcoat so that he can see my rank on the tunic beneath. He turns his back to me. I'll get with you later, Colonel. He spits out the words as though he's trying to rid his mouth of a bad taste. Now. He whirls to face me, lips twisted into a snarl. You'll not speak again until I address you. Is that, and I am upon him, wrenching him onto the table. It collapses under his weight and the force of the blow. A laptop crashes to the floor with him as he smacks the marble face down. I plant the heel of my combat boot on the back of his neck. Who is second in command, I say, so softly that everyone in the room leans forward to hear me. A florid-faced policeman snaps smartly to attention. I am, sir, Inspector Barakov. The FSB officer under my boot struggles to rise, or to reach a gun. I pull my sig, pen down, and crunch it against the side of his head to knock him out, then nod to the inspector to go on. Still saluting, he tries to draw himself straighter. The Chechens took the Amerco offices on the sixth floor. We didn't have time to contact them before a bomb blew. We're lucky the whole building didn't come down. We don't know how many are dead, and we can't get inside. He waits for a response. I'm not surprised the building still stands. Its bones were erected during Stalin's heyday, when labor was forced at the end of a bayonet and buildings were made of steel, brick, and mortar laced with blood. I flick my right hand toward my brow. He drops his salute, but remains at attention. Two terrorists are left on the north side of the sixth floor, with maybe ten hostages, depending on how many from the office are still alive. How do you know all that? They released the hostage to communicate their demands. I could not possibly care any less what the terrorists want. In my mind's eye, I can see the general's granite features, like a craggy Neanderthal's, his heavy lips moving, do not negotiate. Barakov points with his chin to a woman sitting in a reception chair, doubled up with her hands cupping her face. She appears to be crying. 
All I can see of her is ash-blonde hair and a soot-stained pantsuit with a long rip running down the sleeve. Another uniformed FSB officer, a lieutenant, stands stiffly beside her, but he does nothing to question my authority. He roughly jostles her shoulder to get her attention, and she looks up at him, then turns to face me. She has shell-shocked green eyes wet with tears. She's overwrought, nervously fingering a blue pendant swinging from a chain around her neck and looking back and forth from me to the officer. "'You heard what he said?' I ask her. Two terrorists, ten hostages, sixth floor? That's correct?' She glances at the officer. "'Yes, there were two of them, both on the sixth floor. Her Russian is bad, with a heavy American accent.' I turn away, gathering my thoughts. Show me the building layout.